Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. I would give someone $1,000 if they would put me down for a nap. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. The most important part of being a grown-up, and I don't even know where they are. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'm not serving a ton of canapes. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Oh, I love like a cheese and crackers dinner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about things that we really thought would be bigger parts of our adult lives than they turned out to be. (laughs) I mean, yes, we are. There's (laughs) so many good ones. I was just talking, I teach, and I go in with a bunch of teachers who are teaching different college courses, and we were talking about, you know, math, and the math teacher was saying, like, yeah, it's funny, like algebra, you know, everything comes out in a straight line. But in real life, like, you can't actually calculate any very few things are able to be calculated, because you don't know what your variables are. And it was just funny, as we were talking about, like, you know, I'm just spending so much time with my kids learning stuff. And they're doing as they're in middle school, they start to do like, why do I need to know this? And the answer is slightly elusive. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I feel, it's funny, algebra is the one always people go to, I feel like I use algebra all the time. Here's what I never use trigonometry calculus, like unless you're a mathematician, cosine, I've never needed to know that again. I don't do a ton of angles, areas, triangles. That's geometry. You no, know, <laughs> my husband and I are huge into Jeopardy. And the one thing that I do find is that helping my high schooler and late middle schooler study has really upped my Jeopardy game. Sure. Like, I'm like, oh, I know that one. You know, I got it. It tickles. So it is a part of your life, just a very, very small part of your life. It's a small chance it'll appear as a Jeopardy category. So all that studying was worth it. Yeah. The other day was Boston Massacre. And the guy was like, the, uh, now we were like, Boston Massacre. Like we had just studied it with our kids. Well, we went to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash what fresh hellcast. If you're not in the group, join us. We have so much fun. Everybody in that group also talks to each other and solves one another's problems and just brings funny stuff. It's a really fun place to hang out if you're a parent. It's the place to be. In frankly. the place to be. Anyway, we asked, what were the things? you thought would be a bigger part of your adult life than they turned out to be. We got amazing answers. I'm going to start with Kristen, who said, staying up late. Little did I know that I'd be in bed by 8.30 at age 40. I definitely thought that once you were a grown-up, you could stay up as late as you wanted, maybe even midnight. 
every night. Yeah, it's too bad. Like staying up late is it's all wrong. Like it's youth is wasted on the young. Like the desire to stay up late is wasted on the young too. Like I always remember when I had little, little kids and I would just be like bleeding from the eyes tired and they would fight a nap. And I would just think I would give someone a thousand dollars if they would put me down for a nap. Like the idea that you would resist taking a nap is just fascinating. Paul Reiser, this is, you know, a bajillion years ago, he wrote a book on, I think it was called Fatherhood. He was a stand-up comic. He was the co-star of Mad About You. Mad About You, yeah. Old deluxe alert. Back in my day. He used to say in his act, I remember it was very funny, that kids spreading off sleep, and he said, sleep is the antidote to tired. Like, why don't you <laughs> get that? It's such a simple equation, but you don't. Yeah. My kids are right now fighting, you know, as they're in middle school, high school, I don't have to go to bed and I want to go to bed and I can't really go to bed while you're running around the house. I just want to go to bed. Let's all go to bed at 9 p.m. Yeah, we go to bed. I go to bed before my kids every night. I have high schoolers. Yeah, every single night. If they're sort of like in their rooms, I just have to punch out. I don't know. They're staying up way too late, probably every night. And then we're going to be grown ups and never do it again. It's something that only young people do, as it turns out. Only want to do. I will say I did enjoy my 20s. I was a stayer up later. I did enjoy it. We just talked about this. Walk people through your college schedule. It's pretty fascinating. My college schedule. I know. <laughs> I was appalling Amy's husband by saying in college, I started all my classes at noon. I would schedule them that way. And I would sleep like eight in the morning until noon and then four in the afternoon until eight. And then I would just be up all night long. Medical school resident. I mean, not every single day, but I mean, the amount of times I stayed up to see the sunrise in college, I mean, and my phone would often ring at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, I went to school in New York City, friends of mine, oh, let's go meet. And we weren't partying. We were just sitting in diners talking at 4 a.m. But wandering around in the middle of the night to me was great. I loved it. But I, I can't say I miss it. And I think this is why kids think grown-ups stay up late and it would be awesome. A feeling of superiority that you get when like the streets are quiet and just you are cool enough to be up. Everybody else is sleeping like the losers that they are. But you're, you know, one of the very special few who is seeing the sunrise. I it's also very um, low-level rebellion. Like, no one tells me when to go to bed. I remember when I was first out of college, working my first job, living in an apartment, and going to the grocery store. This is something I really had to work on, and I still feel this fight a little bit, that I was like, I can get Oops All Berry cereal for dinner. I can do whatever I want. Like no one tells me what to eat. And I feel like I still have that a little bit and I should not. I'm going to say that a giant bowl of Reese's Puffs does not agree with me. Mm -hmm. I should not be doing it. But even at my advanced age, I sometimes still feel the call of like, I can. Oh, I love like a cheese and crackers dinner. Yeah. I mean, a cheese and crackers dinner is like, I'm doing what I want. An oops all berries dinner is a little bit over the line of like, <laughs> who are you proving something to? What the heck is oops all berries? Oops all berries is Captain Crunch, Crunch Berry cereal is Captain Crunch pieces and berries. It's like Amy is looking at me. So it's like an ostensible, like a mistake. Like, oh my gosh, we can't believe, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. It's, I can't believe this is only berries. You know how when you eat Lucky Charms, and I'm saying this as if you're a person who eats Lucky Charms, which I know you are not. I have done. But you know how when you eat Lucky Charms, 
as a child, you think this would be so much better if there wasn't this cereal getting in the way of the delicious marshmallows. Right, just the marshmallows. Captain Crunch leaned into that and said, okay, you don't want Captain Crunch with just crunch berries in it. You want only the berries. So then they came out with a cereal called Oops, All Berries, as if like, I don't know, the elves or I guess it's the pirates, whatever the mascots. The machine malfunctioned and it only put berries in. Oh, no, kids. It's your lucky day. You get a box of only the berries. So, oops, all berries cereal. And we're using the word berries in the very loosest sense of the word. These are like red dye number 86 pieces of unrecognizable foodstuffs. There, there's not a berry was in no way injured in the making of oops, all berries cereal. <laughs> and you, nobody would want to eat those except an eight-year-old. But when you're eight, you think like, someday, someday I'll live as I please. An eight-year-old or a middle-aged lady who somehow still has the story stuck in her head. I can eat these and my mom can't tell me not to. This is something that Jenna thought would be a much bigger part of her life than it is. I love this one so much. She says, transitioning my wardrobe from day to night. I've literally never done that in my life. I can just change my clothes. This is such a great one. (laughs) Day to night look and you still will see that advertised. Now, back in our day, there was a mirror that they would sell. And every like teenager had it. On, yes, it was on the um, Clairol. Mm-hmm. You would have it on your little vanity or whatever you got dressed. Uh-huh. It was a mirror. Oh, my God. You're giving me joy chills. Just like helping me remember. It would flip open like a book. There was a mirror in the middle. And then the sides had controllers for different settings. So if you wanted to do like your day look, it would give you like a now they do ring lights, right? You know, if you're recording yourself for TikTok, it has like a blue setting. But there was a day look and then there was night. You could change the lights and then you would do your makeup to look Right for nighttime. And night was really like orangey yellowy for some reason in a way that it's not I don't like think the science behind the makeup light was on point for sure. Night was like the trick or treaty sort of candle light, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was any real logic to it, but it was a thrill when you were about 14, 15 years old. The idea that you were sophisticated enough to do your makeup in different settings was just the thrill of a lifetime. Yes, yes. You had to make sure that it would, it would, would worked in all lights. Yeah, day to night. It's like... Yeah. And where was I going exactly as a 15-year-old that I would need a night look? I don't know. I don't think this has gone away. Like everything QVC sells, right, is pretty much predicated on like, it's so easy. Throw it on, add a chunky necklace, and it becomes, you know, throw on a statement piece and you're ready to go out to dinner. Yeah. Again, style it with cords. I mean, I see this on every Instagram thing that like something than a cardigan sweater. Like, look how different it looks if we put it on with dressy sweatpants or with heels and a, you know, in a blazer. It's like it looks the same. It's a cardigan sweater. But OK, you're not fooling anyone. Right. And when you go to the restaurant, I mean, my husband is kind of old school and he's always like, well, should I wear a jacket? I'm like, literally no one will be wearing. Like, if you go somewhere fancy now, there's always a guy in like a baseball hat and an Ed Hardy tee and like nobody is dressed for nighttime. You're either in like a gown at a wedding or you're in like yoga pants and a nice top and it's all fun. Paige says she thought she would be doing much more of wearing of business clothes, looking like the pages of a magazine for work each day. I really thought it would be so glamorous. But here I am teaching middle school and being asked, why do you look so tired at least once a day? Her night look is just like, I'm as tired as I was during the day. Right. Her day to night look is the same black circles under her eyes. 
Yeah, I might put more eye makeup on top of my crusty old eye makeup for night to transition tonight. But that's about all. Yeah, my day to night transition is pushing all the eye makeup that has fallen under my eyes just back up with my fingers. That's my day to night look. It's like shoving the eyeliner back in place with my two index fingers. It's a smoky. It's a smoky eye for evening. Yeah. I mean, and I do think this has changed a with the pandemic. People are just not dressing that well or much or the idea that you're like, I'm out at the office all day and then I have to roll into cocktail hour. Like who's doing that? Yes. Who's going to cocktails, right? There might be like movers and shakers in New York City who are publishing magazines who have to do this. But I mean, uh, no one I know is worried about transitioning their looks. I mean, I've been a grown up for long enough. I was like full working girl for a while. Like, I don't care. You know, if I have to wear these high heels, because that's the rule at this cocktail party to be female in the world, you have to wear high heels after six. I'm going to wear my like dorky Nikes all day long. I love that now sneakers are acceptable. My daughter went to homecoming last weekend in the, you know, cute little dress and Chuck Taylor's like that's sneakers are welcome at all times now. Yeah, you don't need Day to night, you don't need the high heels in the bag anymore. That'll be good for her, you know, feet in the long term. Bunions. She's really going to thank culture when she's 40 and able to walk. Her future bunions thank her. Yeah. I was just saying that to someone else. Like, I am a heels fan. I always loved wearing heels and I'm tall already. So it wasn't like, oh, I have to have, I just love high, high, high heel shoes and the pandemic. Like I look at them and I just think, what, why would I ever put these on? Like never again. High heels. Woo. Done. Sabrina says having a full wardrobe is something she thought would be a bigger part of her life. And I know what she means. Like I thought my wardrobe would like go together in that sort of like 17 magazine way. Yeah. Like grown up grandmas. You'd be like, well, this tank works with this blazer and this. Just these 10 pieces, these statement pieces. And I feel like magazines do like they keep this facade going that you're really going to have us invest in a statement piece. That cardigan you can style 10 ways. I feel like I have... 40 sweaters that are all kind of ratty and pilled and but I don't like I don't have a plan I don't have a plan for my clothes similarly I would say seasonal wardrobe is in this same category like I did just open a box like I have some corduroys that I do put away when in spring like I have a couple of wool jackets and some but other than you know my puffer coat and my hats it all stays the same. I just, the yoga pants take me from spring to summer to winter to fall. From day to evening. From day to evening with a chunky necklace. I'm not <laughs> that concerned about seasonal wardrobe. There may be, I mean, you're a little more fashiony, I feel, than I am. But I mean, there may be people out there who are really into this. Like, well, I have to put away my fall season because now I'm going to bring in my winter pieces. There must be people doing it. I mean, how could there be this many magazine articles about it if no one... My chunky statement pieces. I'm not doing it, but I'm feeling bad about doing it that I have like my sundresses and my heavy coats in the same closet hanging next to each other. Yeah, I just, I'm like, sundress let's put some leggings and a puffer jacket on and call it an outfit like we're fine let's take a break when we come back i have an absolutely amazing thing somebody suggested that i definitely thought would be a bigger part of my life let's do it margaret exciting news i am about to have a new baby nephew and believe it or not this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro <laughs> aunt at this yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, 
I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof. Crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, Amy, what do you have? Alexander coming in hot. She's so right. She says the Bermuda Triangle. She definitely thought that would be a bigger part of her life. Do we need to explain to the youngs what the Bermuda Triangle is? I was going to say, is this still going on? Because if I could explain to you the amount of fear and mind space that occupied my life as a child regarding the Bermuda Triangle. I thought about it a lot. I thought about it a lot every time you got on a plane. So the idea is, I looked it up on Wikipedia and like... Even when I wasn't on a plane, I somehow thought the Bermuda Triangle would like grab me out of my bed at night. It was that strong, much like the hair magnet that can pull (laughs) hair from all corners of the house. Somehow it could get you. The Bermuda Triangle was this thing, this, you know, part of the ocean that's sort of like between Florida and Bermuda and sort of Puerto Rico, because I looked it up. Wikipedia. It's imaginary, but this is the triangle that planes that flew over it would suddenly stop talking to air traffic control and never be heard of again, or ships would lose control. I think there might have been like one ship and one plane that actually did go down in this PS, now that I've looked it up, rather large area of the ocean. I, I kind of pictured it as being so like a lake. <laughs> are you telling me, because I did not do this deep dive, the Bermuda Triangle is just a myth. Like there's really no phenomenon that makes things go down. Yeah. Sometimes planes do go down, unfortunately. 
sometimes ships sink and it's mysterious. And I think a boat and an a plane were lost in this part of the ocean under mysterious circumstances. But again, I'm talking like this area of the ocean is like the size of Texas. So it's not it's confirmation bias. Yes. So, I mean, you're telling me for the first time in my life that I do not need to worry at all about the Bermuda Triangle. No, whereas we definitely grew up with like every other night on TV, there was something about the Bermuda Triangle. Like it was like the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. It was like thirsty for blood and it would come get you. It's kind of in the same category as shark attack. Like you do think that just thousands of people an hour are being attacked by sharks because every time someone's attacked by a shark. It's kind of big news. It's kind of big news. Yeah. Bermuda Triangle and, you know, quicksand, which Mike Birbiglia has talked about. Quicksand was a big one on like um, 70s and 80s TV. People were constantly getting trapped in quicksand. Yes. I will say my brother once got trapped in quicksand. Come on. We were... On our RV trip out west, and we were riding, you could, you know, you, one of the things you would do is you would go to the lake. We were in Canyon de Chez. That's a good Jeopardy answer. Keep it in your back pocket. They ask a lot about it on Crosswords and Jeopardy. Canyon de Chez National Park. And they take the tourists out like 30 at a time in a line of horses. And my brother's horse went off the trail and became trapped, Amy in quicksand. And he was bucking the horse and sinking into the quicksand. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, every child knows you can't struggle in quicksand. Stay completely still in quicksand and let someone drag you out because the more you fight the quicksand, the faster. So quicksand is basically sand and water mixed together and it's almost buoyant enough to keep you afloat. But as you try to swim in quicksand, for whatever reason, I don't understand, it pulls you downward. And yeah, I mean, I w- again, I was sure that I, my life would end either in the Bermuda Triangle or by falling into quicksand. I mean, every time you headed out, right? You had to have like your map and your Bermuda Triangle awareness. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, friends. Because it was super spooky. Today might be the day that quicksand or the Bermuda Triangle gets me. Bree says that she thought dusting would be a bigger part of her life than it was. I thought I'd be doing it weekly, and I'm lucky if it happens yearly. Yeah, like, I notice that things are dusty. I'm like, hmm, I should probably dust that lampshade someday. The problem with dust is that everything gets dusty. And so to keep it all undusty, I have... a. Uh, open shelf in the house where we keep our like wine glasses and you know china and whenever we go to use it which is often when people are over like hey amy you're here for dinner would you grab a wine glass or grab that serving thing and then i have to say if someone's helping me like by the way you have to wash it it's really it looks like something out of like write your initials in it <laughs> yeah you clear the cobwebs off of it and then rinse it because it's dusty but that seems i mean am i going to sit around and du- advance dust 300 pieces of things on the shelves in case i need them yeah like tv shows definitely indicated that was sort of all carol brady did right and alice There are two of them with a dust rag at all times. Well, and the idea of the feather duster, right? Like you picture like a person with a stick and then coming off of the stick are giant like ostrich feathers. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you would use in your daily life to (laughs) my husband and I. 
we have the expression marital chicken, which means like we both see it, but who is going to be the person to like the Jenga laundry pile? Like who's going to give in? Like, okay, the garbage is now four feet above the top of the bin, but neither one of us will take it out. We're just playing chicken. And currently we are playing shower spider web chicken like there is a spider web that is extending over our heads as we shower it's like two tendrils it's not a full there's no spider in it it's cobwebs i guess and i get like i don't want to touch it with my bare hands while i'm naked in the shower that seems like it will somehow attack me but then i'm like i'll come back later and it's been there i don't know months now my i was joking with my husband it's our halloween decor now i mean it really is just like it's a permanent fixture of our home. One of these days, you're going to step into that shower and never step out. You're going to disappear in the shower. I'm going to just be wrapped in a cocoon and devoured. Yeah, I need Carol Brady to come by with her feather duster. You know, what is the, this leads me to a, a really big one people said, but you talked about a feather duster, how you thought that was something an adult would have and utilize. What is the most useless thing that you registered for, for your wedding and have probably never used? Hmm. I mean, the biggest thing I would say, I have an endless supply of like large serving pieces. And so I just, I do use them. But in order to use them all, I would have to throw a dinner for 45. Like it's as if I am running a catering business. And then the other thing I got a ton of was like silver, like appetizer serving. I did finally a couple of years ago give a bunch of them away. I don't mean silver, silver, like silver plated, you know? Like, yeah, like stainless steel kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like about, let's say, 18 inches long and about six inches wide, like a silver tray to serve like canapes on. It's just not something that comes up a lot. I'm not serving a ton of canapes. I ended up using a lot of my grandmother's china and. <laughs> Using is a funny word. I ended up being able to inherit a lot of my grandmother's china. So I love that. So I didn't register for china, but I did register for silver. Like that has to be polished with like your initials on it. And I don't think I've used that ever. I don't think I've ever used our good silver. And I thought I needed it. And I thought using it would be a very large part of my adult life because as Samantha says that I would be hosting lots of fancy dinner parties as a grown up. And Samantha says, I've never been to one and I've never hosted one. <laughs> no, I mean, I also do not host a ton. Of, I mean, I have, it's holidays. That's when we do it, right? Like I'm having the Thanksgiving at my house and we'll get all the big platters out and use them. But yes, I mean, it's not something that comes up a ton. I feel like my parents threw many, many more dinner parties than I do. Absolutely. I mean, more than none, right? <laughs> like, I don't know if they, did, they were went to one every weekend, but they went to more than never that I've done it. So I think that's an interesting thing to circle. People all seem to have said that. I thought, is that just my imagination? Was that just a thing from my parents and their friends? No, that there would be this dinner party world. My parents were in something called the Gourmet Club. And it was like, it was, again, in quotes, like the, oh, no, it's all berries. What was the cereal called? Oops, all berries, please get it right. So they were in the gourmet club, but that was kind of tongue in cheek. But they would just pick like Polynesian night and they'd each make a cookie recipe and bring it like everybody would bring one course and it would be themed. And I don't think anybody was really trying to impress everybody else. And I remember those. I would sit at the top of the stairs and listen to the grown-ups laughter get like louder and louder and louder. I will say I do this. It's just three couples and we do dinner club. 
And I stole this idea from a friend of mine. But if you're at all interested in dinner parties, this is a really fun way to do it. This is the rules of dinner club. Three couples. I'm the chef in mine. My sister is the chef. And then our friend Mark is the chef in his. So it's three couples. And then we meet. Everybody hosts once a year. So once every third of the year, we do, we used to call it seasonal dinner. So it's like we would do it, you know, once a season, basically, even though the math doesn't quite work. And the rule of dinner club is that it's the one time a year you cook like the lights out meal of your life. Like you try to You save up all year. It's Cornish hen. I did like homemade ravioli with like on the side with steak with the side. It is. I like to cook, but I don't like to cook dinner. I like to cook a really nice meal every once in a while. And so that is fun. Dinner club is fun because one, you get to go to two really nice dinners and then you cook and host one really nice dinner. It's all the good china. You do it up. It's fun. Lindsay says... She thought her dining room table would be something that she would get a lot more to use out of as an adult, but her dining room table is currently covered in school papers and Amazon packages. I have to say that our dining room table I inherited from my mom and dad. This dining room table during our childhood, so we had a kitchen counter, which is where we ate. And then for formal meals, there was the dining room table. And the dining room table in our house growing up was like the forbidden zone. And it had leaves that came out on the end. And if you leaned on the leaves... You know what I mean? You put your elbows down, it would put pressure on the hinges of the leaf and you would get scolded rather loudly. And it was this whole thing of like the dining room table was like this reverent zone where like you never put anything on the dining room table. So this is kind of nice. My dad's father was a innkeeper and it was from the inn. It was this beautiful old piece, you know. I then inherited the dining room table and immediately this table that in my childhood had been like never even touch the leaf. My kids were on it like using like glue and glitter. And I was like, "Ah!" and I had to get rid of the dining room table. I put it in storage. And then I had an aunt who was getting rid of like a really banged up old school, heavy oak dining room table. Because yes, our dining room table is constantly used for homework and art projects. I mean, Our house is smaller and it doesn't have a lot of room. Like there's nowhere else to do that. Yes. Especially, I mean, the kids can work in their rooms, but if they want to work somewhere where we can help them with their homework, they have to be at the dining room table. And I I truly would get so stressed watching them like do glitter on the good dining room table. I had to get it out of there. I think the leaves thing, there must be some people listening who are like, it's what now? Like the table would open up and there were hinges and you could put in an extra piece of wood so that a table for six becomes a table for eight, becomes a table for 10. Yes, I have a dining room table with leaves that I bought the special padded covers for. Oh, yes. You have to have the padded covers. I don't know where those leaves are. I've never used them. Like they're in some basement somewhere. We might have moved and not brought them. Like, I'm like, gosh, where are those the leaves for the dining room table? The most important part of being a grown up. And I don't even know where they are. No. Sadiq says themed dinner parties, which is another funny one, right? Like, yes, it just felt like we were all going to be throwing murder mystery parties. Yeah. Yeah. She says, little hint, if you don't do vodka tasting parties, it's not because you don't have the right glasses. Yeah. But then it gets you because I will say I actually went to Amy's house last night for a dinner party. It wasn't really a dinner party. It was just myself and my husband, Amy and her husband had a lovely time. We ate. I didn't pull out the silver. No, no leaves in the table. But we did have 
taken sushi, right? That's what we had. We had sushi. And you said, and I have had this experience, you have a little set for the soy sauce and wasabi. Like there are a little matching set where the soy sauce. And then you were like, I can't find them. And we had our soy sauce, which was totally fine out of like little Pyrex ramekins, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally fine. But it is funny how you have the specialized pieces. It's like those things that go on the end of a corn cob so that you can eat corn without touching the corn. And let me tell you, you will never Never have those close at hand when it's time to eat corn. No. Or crab crackers or whatever, like lobster. Yes, you will move the crab crackers a thousand times and then someone one day will bring over crab and you'll be like, here's a hammer and like a socket wrench. That's all I can find. That's sad. It's sad because it's true. Can't make it work. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back with even more things we thought would be bigger parts of our lives. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And now, if life was like we thought it would be when we were in school. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Hello, welcome to Fresh Corp. You're here for the job interview? Yes, I'm really excited about this opportunity. Great, great. Have a seat. I just have a couple of questions for you. Oh, sure. Thanks. All right, let's start with some algebra. Oh, awesome. I've been working on this. Find y if 2y minus 8 equals 4y. May I use a calculator? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, we never use calculators here at Fresh Corp. Right. Okay, so if 2y minus a equals 4y, the answer would be negative 4. Excellent. The civilizations of ancient Mesopotamia grew up along the banks of which two rivers? Um, that would be the Euphrates and the Tigris. Yes, yes. Let's see here. Which one is a simile and which one is a metaphor? Oh, I know this one. Simile uses like or as, and a metaphor uses representation or symbol. Wonderful. Let me just make a note of this. Okay. Medicine is to illness as law is to anarchy, hunger is to thirst, etiquette is to discipline, or stimulant is to sensitivity. Stimulant is to sensitivity? Oh, no, sorry. The correct answer was law is to anarchy. Okay, last chance. You smell smoke. What do you do? Stop, drop, and roll. This has been If Life Was Like We Thought It Would Be When We Were In School. From the Wet Fresh Hell Podcast. Amy, Nikki has a great one, and I feel that this, it just hits me right in the feels. She thought bubble baths would be a bigger deal. That like people spent Calgon, take me away. Yeah. Yeah. Calgon, take me away. That like a lot of people spent a lot of time in bubble baths. Yes. If I have 20 free, I have done it like once in a while, but if I have 20 free minutes or an hour, like bubble bath is about 45th on the list of things I'm going to do with that. The great sadness of my life is that I do not have an adult sized bathtub anywhere. For some reason, the house that I live in has these. They're more like basins. Like if I got in it, the water would not even cover my belly. Like they're short, weird bathtubs. And I did, I do love a bubble bath and I would take one more often than I do, but I don't have a bathtub in my house. That's why we vested in the hot tub because I do need to be in hot water for my own mental health. But yes, lounging about in a bubble bath with like candles all over the room. And if I had a lady's maid to draw me a bath... (laughs) I would take one every night. You know what I mean? A lady in waiting. But it's just, I don't know, like, oh, I have to turn on the water now and put the soap in. Forget it. It's another job. It feels like loading the dishwasher or something, even though getting in. It's like when you watch, I used to, uh, that show Alias for some reason comes to mind. And Jennifer Garner, when she was done with her spying, she lived in this like beautiful little house. And she would always have like her nubby sweater and like a giant, beautiful glass of wine and be like sitting there, you know, before like the killer broke in and tried to kill her or whatever. And, or she would be drawing a bath like she just lived that life of like I have a beautiful wine glass and I just put candles by the tub and no my life does not look like that Nicole says balancing a checkbook I do think this is technology I'm not even sure what this means I'm so embarrassed like what does it mean to balance a checkbook it just makes sure your bank statement matches what you're but in the oldie days before now everything's online so this is a technology thing a little bit like my mother growing up had a checkbook. And then the top of the checkbook was a ledger with a white line and then a gray line and then a white line and then a gray line. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still use that if I can't find, if I write a check and I don't know, like I have to write it down for later, but I don't do anything with that information necessarily later. So I haven't written a check in five years for sure. Like I, I never, who writes a check anymore anyway? Well, I do track mine because I'm a dork, but anyway, it's plummeted. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I just don't track my spending at all. And I probably will have written like 20 checks in 2022. And I wrote like, you know, 100 checks five years ago. So yes. But it used to be like my mom would go to the grocery store and she'd be like, okay, we have $500 in the account. Okay, the groceries were 72. And she would sit there and subtract 500, subtract 72. Then she would be like, okay, now we have, I can't do the math, $418, $28 in the checking account. 
she balanced her checkbook all the time. It was always like, do I have enough money to write a check? When I went to college, famously, I truly did not understand what a checkbook was. Let's say I had $500 in my account. Yeah. I thought that you could just write checks and then it would be like, well, you have negative $325, but I'd be like, but I'm going to get paid on Friday. So then I'll be back at $100. And so I was bouncing checks all over Manhattan when I started college. I went to college in New York City and I had no idea. I remember telling my dad this and he was so appalled. He's like, you are committing a crime. You know, like (laughs) I was writing hot checks because I did not understand that when you got to zero, you had to stop writing checks. I thought it was like a credit card. And it's only gotten more so for our kids. The idea, because we just put everything on credit cards now, right? Or you tap are you Apple Pay that well and you can click a button and then a computer is like here's everything you've spent and so you don't really have to keep track of it the machines are keeping track of it for you and meanwhile you're you know your debt will rack up you have to pay fees and all that but you're not gonna like not be able to buy your groceries and yeah it's very very hypothetical for my kids at this point Tiffany has a funny one I thought adult equaled 16 years old <laughs> We have, my brother has older kids than I do. And at one point, one of my kids asked of their youngest kid, Mary, who was probably maybe 20 at the time, maybe college. And she said, can I ask a a personal question? And she said, are you a kid or an adult? (laughs) Like she couldn't think because Mary liked to come over and eat mac and cheese with my kids. And she was like very playful and young seeming, but they knew she like lived on her own and drove a car. And it was so baffling to my child. Like, I don't understand what kind of person this is. She seems like a child because she's fun and eats mac and cheese. And yet she's over 16 and seems to live away from her parents. So she must be an adult. It's shocking to look back and realize how, like, you know, teachers that I had decades ago at this point, like, oh, I thought they were like, I don't know, 70, but they're still alive. So I must have that wrong somehow. And then go back and look like, oh, probably like 38. You know, that just when you're a kid, you just think adult is one category. One boring, long category. Well, my husband has a great story about that when he started teaching. So he's he went to uh, Teach for America after college. And so he's 21. And my husband is slight build and has a real baby face. And so at 21, I mean, I've seen pictures of him. He looks 14. He's so young looking. But his students were always trying to set him up with the other two. They're like, Mr. Ebels, you're single, right? You should date Miss Klondike. And he'd be like, Miss Klondike is 62 and married to a woman. You know, like we are not a good match. But the kids were just like adults all go together. Like they did not think it was at all strange that they thought 21-year-old him should date the 62-year-old gym teacher. <laughs> they were just both adults. Right. Just paper dolls they can play with. Barbie and Ken. Like, who? how old are Barbie and Ken? They're just old. They're grown up. Why wouldn't they go together? Yeah. Charmé says she thought working an exciting job that she was passionate about, like wildlife travel photographer or pro mountain climber, would be a bigger part of her life than it is. Yeah, definitely. uh, We'd have a lot more ballerinas, astronauts, garbage men. Like there are just certain Yankees pitchers. I was thinking that I saw a person in town. I was walking out and there was a guy driving a big biodiesel truck and he was parked and it was just this big, complicated looking truck. And I thought he's living every kid's dream. Like he's driving the big truck Mm -hmm. and it's got like gears and widgets and you got to move the thing to get the tank off of it. And yeah, 
I bet he doesn't wake up every day like I get to drive the big truck, you know? No, exactly. But your selection mechanisms change, right? Like Charmaine says, it turns out a stable, boring job allows you to live in a house and raise a family, drive a car, have insurance and retirement options. And that starts to be, unfortunately, a little more what being a boring grown up is all about. Boring grown up. Did you think being a grown up would be boring or exciting or sometimes both? Oh, I thought it would be thrilling. I was one of those. I couldn't wait to grow up. I, I wanted to eat my oops all berries. That's all I thought about. I wanted to stay up late eating oops all berries. And let me tell you, my life is not that far away from that. It's going great over here. I'm living my dream. This is a funny one. Peer pressure. Carrie says, I thought people would be constantly pressuring me to take drugs all the time as an adult. Melanie says, yeah, no one has ever offered me drugs. And Carrie says, yes, I told my grandma this when she was concerned people were passing out fentanyl on Halloween. Like the idea that like wherever you would go, I mean, I've said this many times looking back on like, oh, God, what's going to happen in high school when everyone's constantly pressuring me to do drugs? Like, Right. Handing them to you. I think you have to be a lot cooler, obviously, than I was. Like, I never, never was offered drugs. Like, people, it just didn't come up that much. We definitely grew up thinking, like, on Halloween, that there would be, our version of this when we were kids, was that there would be razor blades in the apples. And as somebody pointed out, like, to go back and explore that is to engage with the idea that people were giving out apples on Halloween, which now you're, yes. your house would be egged if you did that. Not happening. That you That any apple could have a razor blade in it. And like, that's, I mean, did it ever happen once? Maybe. It's like the Bermuda Triangle. And then it became like immediately dangerous possible thing every time you walked down the street. But the difference between that is like, drugs are expensive. (laughs) Drugs are expensive. Yeah. And like, why do people want you to have them? Because they're trying to like entice you. And I, I guess I wasn't an enticing person. People were like, nah, you're good. Not so much. Not really a big part of the problem. Mara says, skunks, I lived in fear of being sprayed as a child. And to this day, I do not know anyone that's ever been sprayed. I will say our dog got sprayed by a skunk. Yeah, yeah. My basically uh, nephew dog got sprayed by a skunk. So it's out there. And it is so disgust. You know how you smell? I mean, we live in the Northeast. There's a lot of skunks. You kind of smell them on a summer night and it has like almost a lemony kind of... I don't know. It's like a atmospheric kind of. It's not like, but when you're close up to it, it is really revolting the way it smells. Yeah. I think it's dogs are probably more in danger. I think the theme is like the things that we thought would be the giant dangers from like Halloween candy skunks, Bermuda Triangle. Like we were really focused. We weren't focused on like interest rates rising, like the things that are actually dangerous to us now, like (laughs) plaque in your veins. The slowly warming planet. Right. right. Yeah, the slowly warming planet (laughs) plaque. I get it because it's like, okay, there's not really that much we can do about like not enough paid maternal leave. Right. It's actually like it's easier to think there's a scary magic thing out there that we're powerless against. Right. As long as you're armed with the adult skills that you will definitely use like writing in cursive. Christine says we were lied to on this one for sure. Now, your kids don't learn cursive. They don't teach cursive anymore. So my kids went to a pretty traditional grade school. So they learned it, but then they immediately sort of dropped it. Like everybody has to learn it. And I do agree. You should be able to read it. It's crazy to me that, that um, y- you know, that m- my grandchildren won't be able to read their great-grandmother's handwriting 
one day. I'm three for three on kids who cannot read cursive at all. And it is like, I'm not going to take a weekend and do a cursive intensive at my house. It's so hard for me to understand that it's that illegible. But it is weird. Like they get a handwritten card and they hand it to me and say, what does this say? Yeah. They cannot read cursive. That seems like a, we could teach them to read it if we don't teach them to write it. But yeah, my kid's school is like, you have to learn how to write it and then we don't care. And so all three of my kids print. You know, they print quickly. Even I print quickly. I don't use my Palmer Method handwriting at all. But boy, I spent a lot of time. I had handwriting as a grade on my report card in grade school. We did too. No, and I definitely learned cursive and we got handwriting. I guess it's technology too, though. I mean, I have a kid who has fine motor skills issues and it's kind of nice for him that he doesn't have to write. Like if he has to handwrite an essay, it would take him hours. And then if he can type it on the computer, it's no problem. Yeah. Let's just close off with Emily because I feel like this sums it up, Amy. She thought that decision making, knowing what to do, would just be out there somewhere. (laughs) for her. And man, who has not had this experience of like, when is, I mean, I still have this thing sometimes of when is the adult coming to handle this? Like, yeah, whether it's my car breaking down on the freeway or like, oh, there's a mouse in my car. Like, I need a parent to come and su- this is too big for me personally, you know? It's always a shock when you're the adult. I always use this example of like my son broke his arm And you could just tell by the way he was crying that it was broken and he was covering it and everybody gathered around and then it was time to like investigate the injury and see how bad it was. And I just was like in in the moment, like me, I have to do it. Well, you're the mother. So you will all watch while you look and see if there's a, you know, a bone sticking out. And I couldn't like, you've got to be kidding me that I'm the grown up here and you are and you'll know what to do. I don't know what to do. And at least there, there's like a doctor somewhere out there who's going to help. I have a friend who tells a story of watching at some point they had a dog. I won't go into details, but the dog got grisly ill inside the car. All sorts of problems. Let's just say, you know, every orifice was leaking stuff from the dog. And he says he vividly remembers being like, I never want to be the mom because the mom has to deal with this. Like the mom has to clean this up. And there are definitely times where I'm just like, no, I don't want to be the mom. I don't want to be. I want to be like, I'm getting out of the car. You deal with this. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Oh, Amy, I think you've said a mouthful right there. (laughs) A mouthful right there. I just want to live in the land where my biggest problem is the Bermuda Triangle. Right. So many great answers we didn't even get to. If you want to see this whole thread, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hellcast. There are a million other funny examples of people who just thought these things would be a bigger part of their lives. You know, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, there's a sort of a new functionality, at least it was new to me, that you can click on the little square in the upper right corner and share this episode via text to a friend or your mom or your sister or whatever. So we'd love that. Share it with a friend. So if you're telling people like, oh, you should listen to this podcast, this is a way to say, because then they say, well, I don't know how and I don't know how to download it. You can just click share the episode. Share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, people. Sharing is caring. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings 
who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking